Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Thank you all so much for uh, entering into worship today. What an encouragement you are to, uh, to me and to everybody around you as we worship the Lord together. Uh, one of my favorite comedians is a guy named Brian Regan. Anybody else know who Brian Regan is? Oh, we got a few. We got a little more people in here than the 830 crowd that know Brian Regan. Recommend, I recommend Brian Regan to you if you want a, a good, clean comedian. Uh, I, I don't know if Brian is a Christian or not, but, uh, but I can tell you his, his comedy is, is very clean. Uh, he came to Jackson several years ago. My whole family, my kids and my wife, uh, we, we love Brian Regan and I've uh, been watching him for a long time and, and listening to him. And, and he, uh, he came to Jackson several years ago, and so we went down to Thagamara Hall to, to see him. And it was a great show. Uh, we had so much fun. And so after the show was over, uh, everybody got up and walked out, except for about, I don't know, it's probably about 15 of us still in the, actually still in the auditorium there. And uh, we were just standing around talking, Vicky and me, and my, uh, my youngest son, Russ, was still in there. And um, and then lo and behold, look up, we were about a third of the way up the, um, in the auditorium there and looked up and, and Brian Regan walked back out on stage and there he was. And so he just walked up on the front of the stage and we all went running down there, you know, and, doing, and, and, uh, he just sat out on the front of the stage and we just stood around and talked to him for a few minutes. And, um, it was really cool. We got autographs, stuff like that, real personable guy. And one of the things I said, and my son, Russ, at that time, I think was about 10 years old, and he was standing beside me, and I was talking to Brian. I said, man, look, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate the fact that I knew I could bring him tonight, and it would be okay. I mean, because there was, there was no profanity. There were no raunchy jokes. There wasn't, it wasn't a lot of, there wasn't any off-color stuff or anything. It was just this, and, and he said, well, man, I got, I got kids at home, too. I'm a, I'm a dad, and, and I understand that. So it was really cool to kind of connect with him like that but one of my fa- and I started to show the uh, I started to show the uh, clip of it uh, one of my favorite little sketches that he does he talks about going and you know you've you've met people and I'm not, I'm not going to try to do the <laughs> routine or anything but uh, but you've met people like this that he talks about when you go to a party or you go to a, uh, you know maybe a meeting like with your company or or maybe even in church sometimes, and you come in, you start a conversation with somebody, and every time when you're, when you're talking, you can tell that they're waiting for you to stop talking so they can start talking and talk, uh, talk about how much better they are than you in whatever you were just talking about. And, you know, if you're talking about your grandkids, they're just waiting for you to stop so that they can say, well, yeah, but let me tell you about my grandkids and, and that kind of stuff. He calls these people me monsters, me monsters. It's like it's all about me, me, me. Let me tell you about me. And uh, uh, didn't Toby Keith do a song about uh, what did it tell you? I, I think it was. Uh, but anyway, that was a good song, too. Probably wouldn't be appropriate to play that in church. But anyway, so but. Uh, but so it was just, uh, so you can go find that video clip if you want to about Brian Regan, but I want to tell you something. Here's the deal. Today's sermon is about me and today's sermon is about you because truth of the matter is we got a whole lot in common. You and I got a whole lot in common. We could be carrying on a conversation and talking and it wouldn't, the truth of the matter is 
for a lot of us in here, it wouldn't take long before you and I could find something that we have in common real quick. Uh, you know, what, what was that thing they talked about several years ago, like six degrees of separation or something like that, that anybody in the world, you can uh, encounter anybody in the world, a total stranger, and you're only like six degrees separated from them and having something in anyway, something like that. Uh, but that's the truth. I mean, you and I could get to talking, and before long we could find out, oh, man, our granddaddies knew each other, you know, or we both like the same uh, football team, or we have the same, uh, you know, uh, we both – maybe grew up in the same town we didn't even know it and stuff like and you just you start finding out stuff that you got in common with people and there's a lot of things that you and I have in common with each other but there's one thing in particular one huge thing that you and I have in common and it is this that God loves you and God loves me amen I mean that's just good news right there that's just it. And I know you've heard that before. I know you've thought about that before. But the truth of the matter is, we have that in common. Everybody in this room, everybody in the world, that God loves you and God loves me. And we got that in common. And that is some good news for us today. And so if you need to open your Bible, you can open your Bible to John 3.16, and we're going to read this awesome verse of Scripture together right now. Would you stand, please, and let's read John 3.16 together. If you've got your Bible, you can open up there. If not, some of you may already know this verse, but this is an incredible verse that says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? We, we sang that to start this service. Thank you, Matt. Awesome way for us to start this service, that God loves you. May God bless the reading and the uh, reciting of that verse together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, help us right now, Lord, to hear from you. And Lord, I know this for a lot of folks in this room. That, that verse of Scripture is... Maybe they've had it memorized for a long time, and, and it's real familiar. Others, God, maybe this is the very first time that they've heard it. But, Lord, I pray that your Spirit will speak to us today through this verse of Scripture and help us to realize just how much you love us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. Jesus spent about 33 years on the earth, born in Bethlehem, died on the cross in Golgotha at about 33 years of age. His earthly ministry was only about three years. From about the age 30 to about the age 33 was the only, that was, that was it, those three years. But man, he got a lot accomplished in three years, didn't he? But those, he, he, his earthly ministry lasted for about uh, three years, from the time that he was baptized by John the Baptist and started his ministry to the time that he hung on the cross and died and then was resurrected and went back to heaven. But in the course of those three years, he did a whole lot of stuff. Uh, uh, he came and he, he taught about God and the kingdom of God, went into the synagogues and he taught people. He, he preached uh, the truth of God's kingdom. The very first sermon that Jesus preached was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Very first words out of his mouth when he started preaching was repent, turn to God. So he, he, he taught, he was a teacher, he was a preacher, and he, then he healed people. I mean, we know that. But here's the deal. 
Jesus loved people. <laughs> he just loved people. I'm, I'm telling you, he, he loved people. Everywhere he went, he just loved people. It did not matter who that person was. It did not matter what that person's background was. If that person was a, came from a royal lineage, you know, and had royalty in their background, if they were the most common person that lived on the streets, Jesus loved people. It didn't matter what their background was. It didn't, it didn't matter how messed up their lives were. And, and people were just as messed up back then as we are today. And it did not matter how messed up people's lives were. It did not matter how mired in sin people were. I mean, it didn't matter how deep they had gotten in sin and how much they had just blown it in their lives. It did not matter. He still loved them. He loved people. When you look at his ministry, and you look at those three years, you look at some of the people, I mean, we could go on and on and on talking about the people that he loved, but there's some specifics I want you to think about. He, there was a woman that he loved, not in a romantic kind of way, Jesus didn't have that, but he loved this woman who was caught, John chapter 8, she was caught in the very act of committing adultery caught in the middle of the act of committing adultery. And so the religious leaders of the day caught her. Makes you wonder how they knew that she was going to be doing that and how they caught her. But that's a whole other thing to think about. But they caught her and dragged her out into the middle of the street and dragged her up in front of Jesus and said, so what are we supposed to do with this woman who was caught in adultery? And they're thinking, Old Testament, should we stone her? Let's take her out, man. Let's just bash her head in with... With stones and all that, you know, and that's what the Old Testament law says you're supposed to do when the doctrine, you know, Jesus just stooped down in the, into the dirt and started, <laughs> just started writing in the dirt. Uh, you know, you just got to wonder, wonder what he was writing. I wonder if he's just doodling or if he started writing the names of the men that were standing there. Wouldn't that be something, you know? Um, and then he just, he just said, hey, all right, so whoever's, he who's without sin, let him be the first one to cast the first stone. And just kept writing. And the stones fell, and the guys walked off, and he turned and looked at the woman. He said, where are your accusers? He said, go. Go and sin no more. You're, you're free now. Man, he loved this woman. What love? He loved, he loved a guy named Zacchaeus. Now, I know a bunch of us learned that little song back in uh, Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. I remember that one. And so, uh, so we, we talked about Zacchaeus. But let me tell you about this Zacchaeus, dude. He was, he was a sorry individual. I mean, he was as low down. He was a, a tax collector. We hear a lot about those in our news feeds these days, don't we? But he was a tax collector, which was one of the most hated professions because what these guys could do, the Roman government would say, hey, look, you got to get us this much money. Anything that you get on top of that, we don't care what you do with it. You give us this much the rest is yours. And so these tax collectors were some cheating, low-down, good-for-nothing guys who would charge these exorbitant tax rates and keep the, the leftovers for themselves. So they were extremely wealthy and extremely hated. And yet Jesus called him down out of that sycamore tree and said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house, which everybody would have gone, Oh my goodness, I can't believe Jesus is going to the house of a tax collector. He got in trouble all the time for hanging out with people that nobody else wanted to hang out with because he just loved people. 
He loved Zacchaeus. He loved people who had leprosy. You and I don't understand leprosy. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that had leprosy. I actually had a doctor in my church at Monticello when I was pastor of Monticello Baptist Church who worked with lepers and did a lot of research on leprosy. But we don't understand it because back then, if a person had leprosy, they were not just physically sick, but they were ceremonially, socially, religiously, um, relationally unclean and outcast. I mean, they, they were the scum of the earth. They, they, they couldn't hang out with anybody, their family, nobody. They were considered unclean. If they were standing out on a street corner uh, and people would walk by, they'd have to start ringing bells and, and screaming at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean, unclean. How would you like to have to do that your whole life? And, yet, and, so you, and you didn't touch them because if you touched them, then you were unclean. So you didn't touch them, and yet Jesus did. He touched them, literally touched them, healed them. Why? Because he loved him. He loved this woman. He loved this demon-possessed dude who was, he, he, this guy would, lived in a graveyard, possessed by demons, lived in a graveyard. The demons had given him such supernatural, crazy, wicked strength that the guy, they, the people would go out there and they'd chain him up to try to keep him from hurting himself or hurting each other, hurting people, and he'd just break the chains, man. And Jesus went out there and loved that guy and set him free. <laughs> he just loved people, man. He was, at the, he was at this well in the middle of the day, and it was a hot day in the middle of the day, and he, walked, he wanted something to drink. And uh, in that day, the women would go to the well early in the morning or late in the evening when it was cool because they had to carry the water jars to go get them. So in the middle of the day, there wouldn't ever be any women at the well except this one woman who showed up at the well when Jesus was there. And the only reason she came to the well in the middle of the day because she didn't want to have to deal with all the other ladies in town who were talking about her because she'd been married five times and now she was living with another guy that wasn't her husband. But Jesus was there. And he loved her. And he saved her and he set her free. Man, Jesus loved people. And he loved this guy named Nicodemus here in John chapter 3. Nicodemus, who was a wealthy Pharisee. Of all the people that Jesus went head to head with constantly during his three years, it was the Pharisees. These guys were the religious, the Jewish religious leaders. They were so angry with Jesus and opposed him every time they had a chance to because he was messing up all their stuff. He was, he, was, he, he was doing away with all of their rules and regulations, and he, they were losing control of the people. And, and yet this guy named Nicodemus showed up in the middle of the night, and he wanted to talk to Jesus. And Jesus loved Nicodemus, the Pharisee. And the Pharisees hated Jesus. I'm telling you, he loved Jesus. And Jesus loved Nicodemus, and they had this life-changing conversation here's the application for this message day it's a little longer than normal so i want to leave it up there a little bit longer because i know some of you like to write it down so i'm gonna leave it up there a little bit longer but i want to say this one out loud with me if you're not writing down say it out loud with me right now no matter who you are no matter where you've been no matter how you've lived or how far away from god you think you are god loves you do you believe that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter how you've lived, no matter how far away from God you think you are, God loves you. God loves you.
So I want to talk about that. Let's talk about what it means, the fact that God loves you. First of all, God loves you. You who are in the world, God loves you. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Now, most of y'all have seen and probably will see here at the end of this service, if you're hanging around, you've seen my two grandsons, John Anderson and Cameron. And they come running in, and Rachel is their mama, Wesley is their daddy, and they, uh, they're coming to church. Rachel was up here singing up here just a few minutes ago. And, when they, and so, uh, remember this is a sermon about me, so I get to talk about my grandkids now, and you don't get to talk about yours. So anyway, so we're talking about my grandkids. So y'all have seen them. When they, if they come in over here, if, they, if, they, if I run into them outside, it just thrills my soul because as soon as they see me, they go, hey, pops, hey, pops, and they come flying toward me. I don't get scared when Cameron runs toward me, but when John Anderson is coming toward me, I am freaking out because he's about the size of some of those kids that were playing uh, defense on Tri-County's football team Friday night. He's going to be, y'all need to go ahead and start recruiting him, uh, but I'm just telling, and he's, he'll take you down, but I'm telling that I love hearing that, and listen, because I love them so much, I grab them, man, I just grab them, and I hug them, and I love on them, and I kiss them, and I say, Pops, loves you so much. I try to tell them that as much as I can. Pops loves you so much. Pops loves you so much. And I use the word so much. That'd be enough for me to say Pops loves you. But I want to give a little extra weight to it. (laughs) I want to give a little extra emphasis to it and make sure they understand that I love them so much. Because when you say I love you so much, It adds a little bit to it, doesn't it? And God says to you, I love you so much. I love the world. God loves the world so much. Some of the translations, the King James and the ESV say, for God so loved the world. That's that's what it was in the song we sang. Some translations say, God loved the world so much. And He does. So He loves you, you who are in the world. He loves you. Think about the world. The total, the whole cosmos of men, that, that the entire human race. John Piper said, it is the great mass of fallen humanity that needs salvation. God loves the human race so much with a love that cannot be fully comprehended. His love is, for us is unconditional unconditional that means this my mama taught me this a long time ago it means this there is nothing you can do to make god love you any more and there is nothing you can do to make god love you any less he loves you you who are in the world you in the world well guess what god loves you because he is love God loves you, you who are in the world. And he also loves you, you who need a Savior. He loves you who are in the world, and he loves you, you who need a Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son. Now, I'm going to talk about you now. Talked about me, now I'm going to talk about you. You are like a lot of people in the Bible. I look across this room. A lot of characters and people in the Bible that you're like. 
Here's one that maybe you've never thought about being like, but you are. You're like this guy. How many of you know who Barabbas was? Raise your hand if you heard that name. Barabbas. Barabbas. You remember when Jesus was on trial, about to be crucified? They brought him up. They had beaten him. They had flogged him. They brought him up. They stood him up over here, and they stood this guy named Barabbas up over here. And they said, we're going to release one of them. You want us to release Jesus? who has done nothing wrong, or do you want us to release Barabbas, who is a murderer, who is an insurrectionist? Do you want us, which one do you want to release? Barabbas! Give us Barabbas! Release Barabbas! You're Barabbas. I am too. I'll put myself back in there. You're Barabbas. Think about Barabbas. Here he is, a career criminal, a career criminal sitting in a prison cell, condemned to death for murder and insurrection when the cell door swings open and someone says, Jesus is going to die instead of you. You are free to go. Listen, what a moment, man. Barabbas had done nothing to deserve his freedom. In fact, he deserved the death that he had been sentenced to. He deserved nothing, but he was set free because someone else paid the price for his crimes. So you are Barabbas. You are Barabbas. You and I are sinners just like Barabbas. Man, John, wait a minute, bro. I hadn't murdered anybody. I, I am not that bad. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. We are sinners just like Barabbas. You and I, we are condemned to die and pay the price for our sins. We need a Savior who can set us free because we certainly can't set ourselves free. The chains of our sins are firmly locked on our hands and feet. The prison bars are completely impenetrable. The cell door is permanently locked and the key is nowhere in sight. The death sentence has been pronounced. We are completely doomed until the door is opened and someone, not just anyone, but the only one who can take our place steps in and announces that we are set free. Our Savior, the only begotten, only one, one-of-a-kind Son of God, has taken our place. Our guilt has been placed upon Him. Our death sentence has been transferred to Him. He will die in our place. He will hang on the cross that we should have hung upon. Instead of our blood flowing out of us, His blood will pour out of Him. He suffered so that we would not have to suffer. He was forsaken by His Father so we would be accepted by the Father. He died so that we would not have to die. That's how much God loves you. You who need that Savior. He loves you. And He loves you. You, whoever you are. <laughs> whoever you are. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever, whoever, King James, whosoever. I love that word. I love the word whosoever because it means everybody. It means everybody. Whosoever. Whoever you are, God loves you. That includes everybody. You go to a football game. We're all excited, man. Football season's here. 
Tri-County's kicking tail already and all this kind of stuff. And, man, you know, college football is coming. So there's two teams that a bunch of us cheer for. A bunch of us cheer for State. A bunch of us cheer for Ole Miss. I'm just going to use it. And Southern, I know, but just for illustration's sake, Harvey, just hang on. So, so, uh, so let's take those two teams, all right, those two teams. And so if you go to one of those, go to a game at one of those stadiums, if it happens to be a sold-out game, which neither one of them are selling their games out, so you will go to one of those games. If it happens to be a sold-out game, that means you're going to be sitting in a stadium with about 62 to 64, 65,000 people surrounding you. And every person sitting around you is included in the, in the whosoever. Let's say you decide to go to New York City. Besides, you're going to take a trip up to New York City. So you get there and you get off the plane, you walk, and you go down to Times Square and you're standing right in the middle of New York City. You will be surrounded in that metropolitan area by about 18 million people. And guess what? Every one of them is included in the whoever. Let's say you want to take another trip. Instead of going to New York City, you want to go all the way to China. You want to fly to China. You can't drive there. You can't walk there. So you've got to fly to China. So you get an airplane ticket, and you happen to be put on an airplane called an Airbus 380-800. I know there's a few of y'all know about Airbus 380-800s. That's the biggest commercial airliner in the world right now. It used to be the big 747, but now the Airbus 380-800 has taken over as the largest commercial airliner in the world. So if you happen to be put on one of those, and if that flight is sold out, you're going to take off with about 850 people around you. I don't want to be on that airplane, you know what I'm saying? And you're going to take off, that plane can hold 850 people. And then when you get over to China and you land in China and you get off the plane, if you're surrounded by 850 people, every one of them is included in the whoever. The 1.4 billion people surrounding you in China are included in the whoever's too. And then there's you. Then there's, there's you right in the middle of that stadium. Right in the middle of Times Square. Right in the middle of that big airplane flying to China. Right in the middle of the sea of people in China. Right in the middle of this church service today. There's you. And God loves you, the whoever's. There's you. You are one of the whosoever's. You are one of the whosoever's who can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. God loves you, whoever you are. So he loves you, you who are in the world. He loves you, you who need a Savior. He loves you, you, whoever you are. And he loves you, you who can receive eternal life today. You who can receive eternal life today. Today. Yes, you heard me right. I didn't stutter and your ears didn't flap, as my daddy used to say. You heard me right. You can receive eternal life today, right now. The greatest gift in the world can be yours today. It's true. 
you can receive eternal life. John, how can that be true? How can that be true? You already said I'm like Barabbas. I don't deserve uh, 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 heaven. I deserve hell. I deserve death. I'm a, I'm a sinner. How can this be true? How can I have eternal life? Because Jesus, who is our Savior, is the eternal Son of God. You need food to live, don't you? Well, Jesus is the eternal bread of life. You need water to live, don't you? Well, Jesus will give you the eternal, everlasting spring of living water in your heart and life. You need light to be able to see. Well, Jesus is the eternal light of the world. You need to know how to get to God. Well, Jesus is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except they come through Jesus. You. God loves you. You who can receive eternal life right now right now it's a gift that anybody in this room or anybody that's watching this service right now can receive today he's ready <laughs> because God loves you so much he's ready right now to give you eternal life he's ready right now to show you the way because he's the way the truth and the life he's ready right now john three sixteen can be summed up like this four things god loves you god gave jesus you believe right now and you live forever. That's it. That's John 3.16. God loves you. God gave Jesus. You believe right now. And you live forever. <laughs> what an opportunity. You see how much God loves you? You can receive eternal life right now. Maybe there's some children in here. Listen, Mom and Daddy, just hang on. Don't freak out. There might be some kids in here that are ready. Ready to give their life to Christ. Ready to trust Jesus. Ready to believe that Jesus is their Savior. I was eight years old when I gave my life to Christ. I did not talk to my Mom and Daddy before I did it. <gasps> no, I didn't. Our church went to a crusade at the Walter Sillers Coliseum at Delta State University. A guy named Bill Glass was preaching that night. I was an eight-year-old kid sitting up there in the stands. Got to the end of the sermon and said, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come down here on this basketball court. I got up, walked down there, gave my life to Jesus. Didn't talk to my mom and dad until I got home. There might be some kids in here today that are ready to give their life to Jesus. We had two that gave their life to Christ at the 830 service. Neither their mamas nor their daddies knew they were coming this morning. Gave their life to Jesus. If there's some kids in here and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, now's the time. If you know that this is what you need to do, you know that God's calling you, then you, you give your life to Jesus today. There may be some teenagers in here today. I did student ministry for 17 years, still have a huge heart for teenagers. And some of you need to give your life to Jesus. Time for you to come to Christ. There's some adults in here. It's time for you. God loves you so much, he's ready right now to give you eternal life. He's ready for you.
Quit playing the game. You've been sitting in this room for weeks, months, and years. I've told you this story before, and I'll finish up with this. I preach John 3.16 at least once a year. This is my annual John 3.16 sermon. I mean, I talk about it other times in sermons, but I use it as my sermon text at least once a year. I've been doing that for years and years, ever since I was back at Monticello Baptist Church. So one Sunday in Monticello, I preached John 3.16, finished it up, walked down to the front, stood at the front, gave the invitation just like I'm about to do right now. People stood up and began to sing. Somebody, the choir was up there. They still stayed in the choir loft wearing their choir robes. Somebody started coming out of the choir loft. I turned and looked. She came and stood right here beside me. She was in her mid to late 70s, and she was the former pastor's wife. And she said to me, John, I have no assurance of my salvation, and I want to know for sure that I'm saved. Joanne gave her life to Christ that morning, was baptized two weeks later, the former pastor's wife of the church. There's some adults here. It's time for you to quit playing the game. Give your life to Jesus. There is no, no guarantee. I'm not a, 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 a trying to scare people. There's no guarantee, y'all, that you're going to take another breath when you walk out of this church. I got a high school friend of mine, graduated from high school with her. One week ago, her husband nosedived straight into the ground in a crop duster up in the Delta. Had no idea that when he took off that morning that he was never going to land that plane, but he was going to crash it, lose his life. She lost her mama two weeks before that. Addie Stanford's stepbrother went to bed a week ago. Vicky, in his 30s, died in his sleep. Wife gave birth to their child two days later. Y'all, you don't want to play games. When you hear a sermon like this, and if you believe it's the truth and you know you need Jesus, then don't walk out of here today because he loves you so much and he wants to give you eternal life today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Nobody looking around. If you know that you need Jesus, boy, girl, teenager, adult, you know you need Jesus this morning. And you know that today is the day that it's time for you to do that. And you know that right now is the moment that God is going to give you eternal life. And I'm, I'm so excited for you. And if you're watching this service right now, and that's you too, I want, I want to encourage you to pray with me right now. If you're in your home right now, you pray with me right now. If you're in this room with me and you know you need Jesus, you pray with me right now. And call out to the Lord. There's another time that the word whosoever is used in Scripture, and it's Romans 10, 13, that says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's you. So call out to Jesus right now and be saved. Pray with me right now. In your heart, say to him, Lord Jesus, talk to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And only you can save me. So Jesus, I turn from my sins. And I trust you right now. And I ask you to save me. Thank you for saving me. And help me to live for you. From now on. In Jesus' name, amen.